friends, this is Troy Brewer of Experiencing Real Life, heard every single day on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR, Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, what do you need to know about brakes? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for the special Car Corner edition of Prudent Money. Welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, Tony Joe is with me as he is every Friday, except for today, we're not going to be taking questions. If you have a question for Tony Joe, you can always send it at, at info at prudentmoney.com. We can get you taken care of there. We're just, uh, we've got a, four or five things we want to talk about today and uh, cover. The, the one thing that we, we talk about a lot is it, and it's more of I think Tony Joe of city. We're kind of sitting on the front the front row and we're watching it happen and, and trying to figure out what the end of the story looks like. And that's the adapting a culture to electric cars, and and how that's how that's supposed to look and how that's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And there was a you know it was interesting. I was I was thinking about this after you told me about some of the articles that you've been coming across. With the very first part of this conversation, which was what eight to ten years ago, there was a general excitement about what you know. Wonder what that would look like, and, and of course, no anticipation of the problems, <laughs> the infrastructure problems, the risks, everything that that comes along with this great idea. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not so sure that we that we're even if you put it on a, a scale of a zero to a hundred, if we're even at forty yet of uh, solving all the problems that needs to, for this to be an everyday thing. But, you know, it's interesting to me uh, the number of articles that are coming out about big players or, or to be big players in this space. They're just saying, ah, no more, cutting, uh, uh, shutting this, this project down. The, the one that shocked me, because they're on the cutting edge of everything, was Apple. Mm-hmm. So what do you, I mean... I guess does this, you know, dead on arrival, or, or at some point, does it get to the point to where? I, I mean, I'm thinking, and I'll, I'll shut up and let you talk here in a second. I, I was thinking though, you know, depending on who gets into the White House, do they are they going to need to really to revamp this idea because it is a lot of still kind of just an idea to, to some degree. Are they going to have to put a you know some huge program together that's aggressive? And, and even then, I just don't see how you you, you uh, take care of all the infrastructure needs that have to be taken care of. Right. Well, let me start off by saying the the one you're talking about, Apple, we'll get to that in a minute. But the one that really I, I try to look at it in this <clears throat> from this perspective, and that is Mercedes Benz, for instance. OK, Mercedes Benz was going to go all electric after 2030. They weren't even going to have a a, a gasoline engine. Now they've announced, now we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to scale back our EV hybrids and plug-ins, and we're going to continue to build 
internal combustion engines. And that tells me something, and it should tell everybody something. You know, Bob, Mercedes-Benz is the leading Cutting edge. They are the engineering grata persona. They are the best of the best. What they're seeing in the future is way more than I can see in the future. But being in the industry and being some of the top engineers in the industry, they're kind of seeing a not-so-great future for the EV market. And keep in mind... They are over in Europe, so Europe is even more green than we are. They're right. They're all right. About, they should be way further down right. the road. So that tells me something. That tells me that they're scaling back. They're starting to hedge their bets on EVs, and that t- indicates to me what I've often thought. And I'm not bragging, but I've often thought, how is this going to work? And let me just tell you why. I never did think it was going to work because it's easy to understand if you just follow me. You don't have to be really technical, but you know the size of a typical Tesla, Bob. You know, think about it. I mean, it's not a big car. So under the chassis of that car is a every inch just about underneath that car is a battery size wise. Okay. Right. Well, we need that much lithium-ion battery, which in itself are not environmentally friendly in any way, but that's another argument for another time. But the bottom of that car is nothing but battery. You got like, that little car uh, weighs about 5,000 pounds. 2,000 of it is the battery. So my, my, uh, my observation is, all the power they can get <clears throat> with the latest battery technology is going to fill that whole car up at the bottom. And then you're only going to get 300 miles before you have to charge it again at best. Not even that in cold weather. So battery technology has reached the limits of physics as we know it today. And if you look at it like that's not a very big car. So how is this going to evolve? And it will. It will evolve. But right now, I don't see any really acceleration in battery technology. There's all kinds of rumors out there. But when you look at it, we're still stuck with the one problem with EVs, and that is the size of the battery is going to outweigh so many – it's going to uh, involve so many obstacles to overcome – until battery technology evolves a lot further than it is today, you're not going to have efficient EV cars. Now, going back to Apple, they've just discontinued theirs. They just dropped it. They said, "There's no, we, we just don't have a future in it. We don't see the future in it. And that also tells me they're seeing something that Mercedes is seeing. Now, the thing about Apple, their iCar, is... They stopped manufacturing that this week. They just called the whole program is defunct. It's done. So what do they know that we don't know, Bob? And I'll tell right. you something that I do think about. Why would they stop making iCars, Apple? Why would they <clears throat> just drop the whole program? Well, maybe it's because to have a car, you need certain things. Maybe no windows is one of them. Okay, I guess you just said a joke. 
Apple, no Windows. Yeah, I don't, I don't you're not going to laugh anyway, so what's the point? <laughs> you know, what? what's interesting is that the way that they do a, a an announcement is everything. The way they word it, the words they use. It would, it would have been more interesting to me if they would have said, we have suspended the program. I got to think that there's some people in Washington not too happy about that because – it's, in other words, it's a great idea. We want to keep everything put together, and then when we're in a better space, we want to continue our work and continue. But it looks to me, and tell me about what you think about this, Tony Joe. It looks to me that the government did not do their part. You, you have all these car companies. They're they're going to scramble to get these these things built, these technologies advanced and do everything they can do. But it just seemed like on the other side of the coin, you really had to have a very aggressive effort by the government, which we, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, really haven't seen it. Well, not only is the Apple thing and the Mercedes thing kind of interesting, but what really interests me that you don't hear a lot about is the car dealers, uh, the big three, <clears throat> the dealers themselves. These are where the real rubber hits the road, and that is they're not selling these things. Nobody wants to buy them, and the dealers are pushing back against the government with all their mandates for you got to order so many EVs, and you got to have the EVs in stock, and they got to pay tax on these EVs that are sitting on the property, and, and it's just a it's just a really interesting scenario that. Nobody wants the EVs. They're not selling. The dealers are trying to plead with the government, look, uh, we, we can't do this. We can't do it anymore. We're not going to order all these EVs. They just sit on the lot. So it's kind of a back and forth against the green energy agenda versus the real life execution of it. It doesn't it, – it's not – Things are not falling into place like they thought. I'll tell you what's interesting, though, and, and, and I've, I've only seen the inside of a couple of Teslas. I mean, they're impressive with all the, the electronics and the, the gadgets and everything. But that I was talking to somebody, a client, a couple of hours ago that they were about to go out and, and buy a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't buy it for all the gadgets, even though it's, it's fun. You know, when you, you get all these different things that, that, that do things like from an electronic standpoint. Mm -hmm. You really got to think about uh, the pros and cons that go along with buying a, you know, electric vehicle. Well, if you have the financial ability to buy an EV, they're more expensive, of course, then you have to consider all the things that go with it. You're going to have to have a charger installed in your garage at home. If you live in an apartment, what do you do then? Yeah. You know? What are you creative. Doing? And uh, so many people have so many complaints that we see about they have like GPS. They can tell where the next charger is available to them. So they map their little uh, trip out and then they get to the next charger. And most of the time or I shouldn't say most of the time, I don't know that. But often the charger is down, out of order, doesn't work. Right. They get there. Now, what? I wonder what they do at that point. I, I don't know what you would do. You're going to have to have enough juice to make it yeah, to the next charger. I, I think that 
it's it's going to be up to whoever the next gen, uh, next next uh, person in in uh, in the White House, the next uh, administration is what I'm looking for. Uh, we'll, ha- we'll just have to see how aggressive that they're going to get and what, what they're going to do about pushing this initiative. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Special Car Corner edition of Prudent Money. Hey, we're up against a break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Bob Brooks. Proverbs 22.3 and Proverbs 27.12 are the exact same verse word for word. I call them the stewardship verses of risk. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. On the Prudent Money Radio Show, we teach about risk, how to identify it, how to figure it out, and what to do about it. We believe that to be a prudent steward, you have to be a good risk manager. Listen to the Prudent Money Radio Show on Bible School Radio 91.3. Prudent Money, home of the modern-day steward movement. Hi, I'm Jan Markell, host of Understanding the Times. We're very excited to be a part of Bible School Radio. I hope you will join me Saturday, 10 a.m. for cutting-edge guests and the latest information to help you discern the truth, even the inconvenient truth. We'll help you understand our times and contend for the faith. That's Understanding the Times, Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on Bible School Radio or anytime at olivetreeviews.org. In every situation where we need courage, we need Christ. In every situation where we face trouble, we need the Savior. And here's the good news. In every situation that you read about in the Bible where problems present themselves, Almighty God presents Himself in the midst of it. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Courage to Conquer, next time on Turning Point. Day mornings at 9 o'clock here on KDKR. Welcome back. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to this special Car Corner edition of Prudent Money. Tony Joe's with me as he is every Friday. We're not taking Car Corner questions. If you have a question for Tony Joe, info at prudentmoney.com. Just send it in, and we'll get you taken care of. You know, one of the things, we do get quite a few emails, Tony Joe, and and, uh, lately we've been getting questions about brakes, Okay. And uh, we haven't uh, really talked about uh, brakes and what goes goes on with that process of getting them replaced. You got to you got to know a little bit about what's going on so that you're not you don't fall into a trap. Because okay. and and I I actually had this to bring this up a little bit later on, but I think it probably is worth bringing up right up front. It's something you always say, and and I think that this should this kind of sets the table for this conversation is that a recommendation to do anything to the braking system of a car is subjective. Yes, it can be. Certainly. And so it, it's what you may look at it and think, go oh, definitely, these, these, need, these pads need to be replaced. Or the other person says, well, you know, you got a good 10,000 miles on these pads that they don't need to be replaced. Or the rotor, you know, the rotors need to be replaced. No, they don't need to be replaced. You still got X amount of miles. It's all an opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think that's important to know because there's a, a level of trust that you're going to have to go with that, uh, that mechanics, that, their, their observation and their recommendation. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly that's true, and we might point out a few things that you can protect yourself with. Number one, can you identify the warning indicator on the brake pads? Do you know what it sounds like? This this warning indicator is a little tab made of metal that will reach the rotor and make a noise before your pad material is gone, is, is completely dangerously worn. 
And that <clears throat> that indicator is there to tell you it's time to start thinking about getting it in, having your brakes looked at. Well, if you don't know what that sounds like, how are you going to know when it's time? And that's one big factor that you can use to protect yourself. Let, let, let me ask you a question, and I don't mean to interrupt you. The and I never really thought about the about a brake pad completely disintegrating. Certainly. I mean, from from wear, from years of wear, right? Well, there's been <laughs> there's been episodes of brake pads. Not only you know you got the brake pad with a metal backing plate bonded to the brake material. It's not really asbestos anymore, but it has asbestos material in it. But you can wear the brake material, the lining material, completely down to the metal. And then the metal hits, instead of any material between the metal and the rotor, now it's just metal against the metal rotor surface. And some people keep driving like that. And when that happens, if you could... I mean, the brakes will still work. Well, right. they will, but not much longer because eventually, if you could look under there when that's happening, you'd actually see sparks in red-hot brake uh, rotors. But there's been instances of people wearing right through the material of the rotor into where the rotor just disintegrates. And the sad part is they never heard anything. You know, and that's impossible to not hear anything in that... Yeah, you heard something. You just didn't know what you were hearing. Did is that you? when you get the squeak? Well, or is it, it's got to be worse than that. Let me just clarify something so that our listeners can kind of protect themselves against uh, knowing when your brakes are starting to become dangerously worn. And that is the brake indicator on most. This is general information. This is not doesn't pertain to every car because some cars have. A lot of the German cars will have a warning telltale inside the car that says brake pad wear. And it will come on telling you it's time to look at your brake pads. But most cars have a warning indicator that's out, out, <clears throat> excuse me, out of audible. And that means you're driving down the road and it's not what you think. Brake squeaks are a common problem with a lot of cars due to a lot of different factors. So the brake squeak itself is not indicative of a dangerous situation. But what you're looking for is a nice quiet street, 20, 30 miles an hour, not, I repeat, not applying the brake. You're going to hear what kind of sounds like fingernail scratching on a blackboard. That sound is the brake indicator just touching the rotor, setting up an audible sound to you, meaning you need to start looking at your brakes. Now, here's the thing. When you apply the brake, the pad material, being what it's made of, will absorb that noise and it will deaden that sound. So the brake indicator is going to make that audible sound when you're not applying the brake. But when you apply the brake... It's going to so drown out the uh, the noise, and you're not going to hear anything. So don't look for a warning indicator that's there when you're putting on the brake. Look for the warning indicator when you're not applying the brake. You hear something funny, try to remember it sounds like fingernail scratching on a blackboard. Then when you apply the brake, it kind of goes away. That's your noise indicator trying to tell you 
your brake pad material is down to within two thirty seconds of an inch and it's getting it's not time to go in right now can't drive your car but it means it's getting low and it's time to have them looked at so the important thing to remember is how that indicator warns you and it's not i don't know why they don't advertise that more but a lot of people don't know that bob right and if you don't know that then that whole system is 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 uh Null and void to most people because what good is having it if they don't know how to understand it? So you wear through you you wear through the uh, brake pad and you get to a point to where now you're doing some damage, I guess to the to to what part? The rotor. The rotor. Mm-hmm. How long do you, and this is not to be taken as advice. Please don't uh, whatever Tony Joe says. Just in general. How long do you have before you are doing some expensive damage to your brake system? Let, let's put it this way, Bob. If you can hear it, it's too late. So that means that means all parts replaced. Well, that means at least pads and. I rotors. mean, shouldn't you if you're if you're getting that extensive of, of a replacement on your brake, shouldn't you just go ahead and replace everything? Well, you may have to because it will also affect the caliper. And the mounting bracket for the caliper, it can affect uh, so many examples that I've seen is where the brake material wears out and it warps the rotor due to too much heat. And then you're going to need pads and rotors. That in itself is not really all that bad. When you get into pistons in the caliper that have come out so far that they've blown the seal or you've got pin material uh, pins that don't slide anymore and has worn out the the uh the bracket that the pins are mounted into it can get into thousands and thousands of dollars Mm. so by knowing how to read the warning indicator number one and knowing that if you hear something in the brakes that doesn't sound very good like a not a squeal don't Squeals are not as bad as people think, but the things that can cause problems will happen very fast and get from a normal expense to an excessive expense in a matter of one drive, 10 well, miles. So I mean, it can l- go from one extreme to the other. Let me ask you this real quick. If if uh, you you start from day one, you got you know you have your car for 300,000 miles. Mm-hmm. If you have religiously changed the brake pads when you're supposed to, is it is it possible that you could have gone that 300,000 miles without having major replacement issues? Certainly is. That's it something. Certainly is, and it's so less expensive to do. It's very hard to be diligent enough in our daily lives, and I live it just like everybody else. You're too busy. You don't have time for this. But if in a perfect world, if you could do the maintenance properly, on time, as you're supposed to, you wouldn't believe how cheap you can drive. I know it sounds like, well, pay me now or pay me later. No, just doing the routine maintenance on a vehicle, the way they're built today to go three, four, five hundred thousand miles, you can do a very good job and drive as cheap as possible by doing the maintenance on your car. 
So how many how many miles do you think you can go on most cars before you have to replace the the pads? And I know there's a lot of environmental. That's a good question. Let me explain that. And and the reason I can't answer that is just think about this for a minute. A lot of people wonder that. So that's a good question. If you get up in the morning and you drive 11 miles to work in stop and go traffic from light to light to light, or you get up in the morning and you have a job that's 50 miles away and you get on the highway from your house and you drive 50 miles before you get off to exit, who do you think is going to use the brakes more? The person driving in city, stop and go, stop and go. They're going to use their brakes much more than the guy who hits his brakes to get off the exit to go to work. And then on the way home, he doesn't use the brakes until he exits to go back to the house. So you've got to think about it in common sense reality. Uh, the person that uses the brakes more is obviously going to wear the brakes out faster. So if your lifestyle is one or the other, then... How long do you have before your brake pads wear out? Well, it's such a dramatic difference that having the ability to, I guess, Bob, having the ability to hear the noise indicator and understand what it's telling you is one of the most effective things you can do. Well, that that and all the new technology that spots it before it happens, right? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's you've got that, uh, warning indicators. You've got all kinds of uh, audible things. I mean, it's just... Knowing, look, knowledge is power. We know that. Knowledge, that's the thing. Great information, Tony Joe. And we'll probably, as we always do, do a part two next weekend because I didn't even re- remotely get to all the questions. Hey, listen, if you have a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time. Keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3.